0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Rising Stars podcast. I'm Brianna Moriarty, your host. Today we're talking about something very near and dear to me. We're talking about digital marketing. Um, my background and passion is in marketing, so I'm super excited to dive into it today and talk about um, you know the digital marketing that bars and ISVs should and should not be doing, especially with the whole world kind of turning virtual and digital over the past year. Um, it's a very important topic, so I would like to welcome James. Cordy. He is from Blue Star and he's going to be joining us today to talk about all of the do's and don'ts of digital marketing for bars and ISVs. So, hey, James, thanks for joining us.
1: Absolutely. I'm excited to be one of your first guests.
0: Absolutely. So, can you get us started by telling us about your background at Blue Star and kind of what got you into marketing and how that kind of road has um, paved out for you?
1: Sure. So, if you've heard me or spoken with me at all about marketing, I like to talk about design a lot because mm-hmm. that's my educational background. Um, so I went to Ohio University, commonly mistaken with Ohio State University. So I'm a bobcat and not a buckeye. Okay. Um, so down in beautiful Athens. And I studied interactive multimedia, which is very much in line with kind of my personality and in my day-to-day work these days, which is, you know, it was one part of, um, general design it was one part web design uh video editing animation a little bit of everything mm-hmm. which again is is very much in line with with what I do now so um my first ever job actually when I was before I was even done and I'll make this quick and I know you're like oh god how long is he gonna go
0: <laughs> no I no you're for, great
1: I like starting at the beginning because it, it was kind of an interesting company I worked for which was in Toledo Ohio mm-hmm. and to keep the story short, it ended up becoming Silly Bands, which some people listening are gonna be like, wait a minute, Silly Bands? They were like the little um, animal shaped uh, rubber bands that kids wore on their wrists.
0: Right, so, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: I worked for this guy, a little tiny company, he did like live events and like all kinds of random stuff and he ended up stumbling upon this product and, and bringing it to the US market. Um, mm-hmm. So I started doing kind of uh, search marketing and in website design and a little bit of everything there. Mm-hmm only for about a year and a half. And then I worked for the Columbus Blue Jackets of the NHL for four or five years in a couple different capacities. Uh, One was in event production, and then one was in the front office, like in a design capacity where we were doing the signage in the arenas and the newspaper ads. And again, a variety of things. Um, The next stop was at a market research or market, yeah, market research firm again, a small company, but it started to introduce me to the idea of insights. So Mm -hmm. advertising and marketing being based on research and, um, you know, knowledge of, of what the customers are saying, what they're needing, et cetera. And actually, gosh, that would have been back in like, 2008 or nine okay, and okay. I was shooting and editing a podcast like an audio and video podcast way back then which I remember even the word podcast was really new to me yeah so it was before cool. it was
0: even a thing
1: <laughs> yeah at, at least as far as I remember I mean it was years later before I started getting into consuming them anyhow mm-hmm. um, and then when my wife and I were expecting our first child we decided to so we were in Columbus Ohio at the time we decided to move to Cincinnati where she's from where she grew up and that's mm-hmm. when I started with Blue Star okay. uh, <laughs> as part of the marketing communications team and you know I think I initially applied for a web design job and what they quickly explained to me was yeah we could use some help on the web but we could use some help in email marketing and you know in general design so it was a perfect fit for kind of my uh variety uh, of skills and and, and interests I guess took a short stint uh back in 2013 I think with an ad agency in Cincy working Mm -hmm. on some some really cool brands so it was um It was at an agency called Possible and we worked on some Procter & Gamble stuff. So if you are aware of or remember when Dollar Shave Club was a really big deal, Mm -hmm. they've since been acquired, I think by Unilever, but they were just like eating Gillette's lunch. Unfortunately, I was working on the Gillette agency team at, at my company. Um, so I spent some time in the throes of that working on the Gillette Shave Club. And then I worked a little bit on the Downey team before coming back to Blue Star. And so now at Blue Star, I know you know this, but for anyone listening who might not be aware, I lead a program called Appware Solutions. And it's pretty unique in the channel. Uh, you know, we're a distributor for those of you that don't know Blue Star. Um, but what we do, what my team does, is we help our partners. And that might be a value-added reseller company, it might be a software company, or kind of that combination hybrid company. We help them to market to their end customers. So we sort of work as like a mini agency on their behalf, but an agency who understands, you know, the the solutions that they deal with and and who their customers are. Um, So yeah, if, if there's anything else I can go into, let me know, but that was pretty thorough, I figure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you've kind of been all over the place. So I mean, what kind of made you stick with Blue Star in, in the point of sale industry? That's that's my first question. And Appware is that you know your baby? Did you kind of create this idea of Blue Star acting as a mini marketing agency for your customers?
1: So I'll start with the second question first, since I can't take credit. Appware <laughs> Solutions is definitely Mark Fraker's baby.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and I always uh, make the silly joke that it's my child. It was his baby, but it's my child. So. Right. It's taken a few different forms, and when we first launched it, it was all about bundled solutions, which we hear about in our in our industry and in our channel mm-hmm. um, so software plus hardware and we had a website where they all kind of lived in categories that site still exists if you were to go to appolutions.com you would still see that mm-hmm. um, but what it what we where we really focus now is in the content marketing piece so and all of this occurs behind the scenes meaning it's nothing you would find by going to Applelutions.com it's only advertising and marketing you would encounter if you were part of our target audience. So if you were part of the LinkedIn segment that we were targeting, Mm -hmm. or if you happen to be an opted in subscriber to, um, you know digital signage today or firehouse.com or any of the various very you know niche specific media outlets that we work with right uh, and the first part of your question oh why why this industry mm-hmm. uh, you know it's a funny i love that you asked that because every time a new team member starts at blue star i give them the pitch about our industry mm-hmm. and i say you know especially when you're brand new to it it takes some time to really understand who are the players what do as a distributor what do we mean to our vendor partners Um, What do they, what do our vendor partners rely on us for? Who are VARs? You know, there's so many interchangeable terms. And I guess I just feel like it's a fit for me from an interest standpoint. Meaning Mm -hmm. I sometimes say, I feel like I could find myself, I would be interested in marketing anything, but in terms of the role that I take, I wanna be able to do lots of different things. If they said, hey James, you know, we've got this job for you doing content marketing and that's all you're gonna ever touch. I might do it, but it's gonna burn me out after a few years. And not even just the burnout. I can you know work through that. I want to continue to evolve as a marketing person and try out, you know, event marketing, product marketing, whatever. I, I want to make sure I'm well rounded. So I love our industry. And I guess I feel like to round out the point and, and close it down here, once you've been in the industry for a couple of years, two, three years, and you really start to understand things, you become really valuable to the industry. Mm-hmm. And I just I just enjoy it. I enjoy it because there's a variety of things to do. Um, The people are great, and you know I've got a bunch of awesome relationships with you know folks like like you all over at Star Micronics, and it's just a really good fit for me. We get to travel a little bit, which is cool.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I get that question all the time. Like you know, being kind of so young in the industry, people ask me what, why I got into it, and why I stick with it. And I I agree. I think it becomes more of a community of sorts um, once you've been there for a while. So I really Mm -hmm. enjoy it too. And um, that actually kind of segues me into my next question for you, which I know you and I have sat on many panels together and talked about this quite a bit, but in your perspective, how has marketing changed over the past few years and, you know, from where you started to what it is now?
1: Sure. Yeah. This, this is a, this is kind of a tricky one. So I feel like over the years and then most recently over the last 14 months, it's increased in volume more people you know companies who were spending a decent chunk of their money um you know in doing traditional advertising they were in the yellow pages they were doing newspaper or magazine ads obviously people are still doing trade shows and i think that's still an awesome channel they're putting more in their more and more of their budgets into things like facebook ads you know instagram google search you know adwords linkedin and things like that and it's become more sophisticated as well right so Mm I guess what that means to me and again through the pandemic it's like gone through the roof and the way that that's manifested in my world not necessarily positively is the more advertisers there are the more people competing for those same audience segments whether it be in you know uh retail or hospitality or even some of the other um you know non-point-of-sale industries that we do marketing into the more com- competition there is the higher ad costs go and the more advertising there is in some cases, the lower the click-through rate. So it starts being more expensive to advertise. Uh, And so when I was thinking about this question, I kind of said, you know, my takeaway from all of that, I don't want people to be like, oh, cool, James. So what are you telling me? (laughs) We're better off saving our money. I think it's more important than ever to be different. And I think it was something you and I, maybe on something unrelated, just on some normal business stuff we were talking about, we were talking about a product launch you guys have coming up Mm -hmm. and that was what we were, Kind of discussing is how can we make an ad that doesn't feel like a B2B corporate? You know, I know at the moment my eyes land on it, I know it's an ad and I skip through it. I think that's one of the things people should be asking themselves. And, you know, I'm not someone that spends uh, my time on Snapchat or TikTok. Nothing against the people that do. I spend plenty of time on Twitter and on Instagram. It's just, mm-hmm. those are my poisons. But I think that a more human approach, a less perfect approach, um, something that feels a bit more. Human, again, is the way to go when it comes to standing out and, what, and that, that's whether you're creating video content or graphic, you know, you've got to go out of your way to, um, to break through that noise. And it's going to have the benefit if you're successful in doing that. And that's the beautiful thing about digital marketing is you get uh, there's a quick feedback loop. You can go yeah. on to, let's say LinkedIn or, feedback, or Facebook and put two or three ads, A, B, C, test them against each other. And within a number of days, you start to see the trends, which one's mm-hmm. performing better, which ones are tanking. And you can know pretty quickly there, um, you know, what to double down on and what to maybe pull back on. And it is gonna have the direct result of, if people are engaging with my ad at a higher rate, this is gonna sound, I don't know if people know this, this might sound strange. Facebook wants me to have good ads. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn wants to show people good ads. They don't want these to be terrible ads that everyone ignores either. And they reward good advertising. So when I have a a high performing ad out there, my CPM or cost to reach a thousand people to get a thousand impressions is gonna go down because LinkedIn and Facebook are going, oh, look, people are actually engaging with this ad. They're appreciating it. They give it a little bit, uh, they look better upon it, I guess. And so it saves you money. Um, And I guess the last thing I'll say here is the question I would be asking is, well, how, you know, how do you stand out? And I talked kind of in generality about being less formal, you know, in terms of the, the creative you're putting out there. But I think thinking about the formats do mix in some video. You don't think that you have to have professional equipment, like, You know, a couple weeks ago, we shot a a, like a mini video press release for our European team. We had some big news coming out. Mm -hmm. It was like, guys, not only could we shoot this and edit it, you know, shoot it on the iPhone and I can do a quick edit. It's the best way to do it uh, because it's going to look, you know, the way it should look. So formats, you know, whether it's uh, videos you're creating, infographics, eBooks, and then. Another thing that's really just been bouncing around in my head a lot lately is I've been listening to people talk and thinking about some of my own experiences where, where I've seen success in some of the marketing we've done. Mm-hmm. Telling the stories of your customers.
0: Yes, I see absolutely. i that a lot
1: of high-performing marketing organizations and companies instead of, I mean, there's a time and a place for talking features and benefits because they're important. It's not that they're not important, mm-hmm. but I think it's a better path to go down to help people see themselves in the shoes of one of your existing customers when you can tell their stories. Hey, we were doing this, we implemented this solution, now these are our results and people can see themselves in that, so.
0: Yeah. I agree. I really like, you know, what you're saying about kind of humanizing the brand and taking that approach. Cause obviously that's a big trend. I mean, if you just look at influencer marketing and that's a little tough to replicate in B2B, but so many big brands are saying, instead of putting all of our dollars into these professional developed advertisements, we're just going to pay real people to promote our products. So it's definitely a big change, um, that maybe B2B will eventually adopt. We'll see. Um, (laughs)
1: I'm 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 glad you said that because I don't think I would have thought to bring it up, but it did cross my mind earlier today when I was thinking about our conversation. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of I listen to a lot of SaaS marketers, people who are you know, and they're a lot of them the good ones are on the cutting edge of marketing, which is why I pay attention to them. I pay attention to the emails that I get from them, and I, I listen to the you know the high level people there, and they talk a lot about influencer. And I was thinking that like from my perspective, if Blue Star were to engage an influencer who would I be looking to influence? Well, customers, right. right? VAR customers Well, who are influencers to VAR and what would that look like? I haven't figured out yet, but I think, I think I would be interested in trying it out if, if we could, if we could find that right person who does have people's you know attention and, and it could be something natural, you know, maybe it is a product or a service that they use. So I love Absolutely.
0: that. I definitely think it could be done. It's just, you know, how to approach it.
1: I was just going to plant the seed that, um, this is the unfortunate reality, and I'll, and I'll go into it a little bit deeper later, but a lot of effective marketing doesn't scale easily. Mm-hmm. and That stinks. I know people want to hear, like, they're listening to this podcast, hoping that we're going to go, hey, what always works for us is when we write the headline this way, we send it 8 a.m. and people always open and convert when you do that. And it's like, no, unfortunately, a lot of the effective stuff is the stuff that takes humans and, and, and people to, to, you know, really make connections.
0: Right. Right, So I guess kind of going back to what you were saying before, you have to stand out, you have to, um, you know, switch up your marketing and things like that. What would you say today is the number one mistake that you see VARs and ISVs making when it comes to the digital marketing? Oh,
1: I'm going to take a breath here because I don't want to be harsh. I have to strike the right tone on this. <laughs> I don't, a lot of the partners that I work with, um, even those that have really interesting solutions they're not investing in marketing in a serious manner,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I thought about this right before well, we connected. Which I just want—I just wonder. I've never never asked the question directly, and I'm going to start asking this question to our partners, to our VARs, to our ISV companies to say, what's your view on marketing? What is, how big is your team? How many people? You know, What levels are they at? Because my feelings, just my gut, so the reason I say that is because I like to deal with data versus just what I think is true about the world. But it feels to me like there are a lot of CEOs and salespeople in the world that think marketing people, marketing functions are like sales, but they don't care about revenue. So they don't invest in them properly. Mm-hmm. Um, my advice to, to VARs and ISVs out there is that you should have, you should think about hiring for marketing in the same way that you do sales or operations or, or finance. You should have executive level marketing. First, I mean, if I had four people, if we were starting a company tomorrow, obviously we're both marketing people, but let's say that we weren't. And we hired two more people. One of those people would be a CMO. Right. Right one of you know our first probably eight hires another one would be a senior level executor someone who like me and you has worked a few different jobs done a few different things and can go and do the work um so that's i think that's the mistake that i see them making is and and i'm i guess i'm curious about the why but i'm just seeing the end result which is people aren't staffing marketing properly and then they're asking questions like well you know what, what could we be doing? What should we be doing? Should we be using Fiverr for freelancers? And it's like, there is a time and a place for that kind of supplemental help. Right. But if you don't have those two critical people at the very least, then honestly, you're not going to win when it comes to marketing. And in 2021, that's bad news for you. Cause like we just said, there are a lot of other options in terms of getting in front of the right people. So I'll, I'll add this when thinking about bringing on, especially a high level marketing person, um, they need to be someone who is thinking about not just hey what would be you know cool interesting what show should we go to but they should be asking questions to sales Mm -hmm. leadership to leadership leadership what are our main business goals? if you're brand new to a company what are we trying to achieve how can marketing support that and then Mm -hmm. when they say okay james you know brianna what are you going to go do from a marketing standpoint I'm gonna build my plan in a way where those are the things I'm trying to achieve. If pipeline is the sales goal or, or closed deals, then I'm trying to drive leads that turn into pipeline. That, you know what I mean? So I think that's not, you know, there are different kinds of marketers. There are brand marketers, product marketers, demand gen marketers. And mm-hmm. if you're a smaller company, you might need someone that has a little bit, you might need that halfway unicorn that can do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, But invest in them. They're not going to be inexpensive. They're probably not going to be two years out of college. Again, those people, those junior level people have a huge value Mm -hmm. once you have, you know, your executive level, your senior level taken care of, the people who are going to set the strategy. You know, the idea that you can just step in without that person and start, you know, doing little piecemeals here and there to, to get real results. I don't, I don't think is realistic. So yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah, for What sure. else? So number, number two, <laughs> so that's number one is investing marketing, investing in marketing and the people in a serious manner in the in the same way that you would, like I said, sales, operations, finance, number two, and this, I, I hesitate a little bit to say it because it is a direct reflection for the partners I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to be said for, for those people that know me and for those that don't, a lot of companies do not understand who their customers are.
0: Yes, they have customers.
1: I agree. they don't, they have customers, but when you say, "Hey, who is this meant for? And again, I know that a lot of salespeople have a, a mindset of, I don't want to leave money on the table. Hey, James, mm-hmm. our, you know, our solution can work across verticals. I'm sure that that's true, but which industries do you see that you're winning with more often and why? And within those companies, who are the people that you're usually dealing with? Um, people don't have a good, good idea, good grasp of that. I think mm-hmm. The way that I would go about it, again, if I were first week, second week on a brand new job, I would talk to sales, probably even sit with sales to hear what kind of conversations are happening, what customers have to say. But I would really quickly start surveying customers to figure out, why did you choose us? Even if it's just, hey, I loved your sales rep. Okay, I can work with that. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you had what we needed and you didn't have anything that we didn't need. It was the right fit or your price or, or whatever it is. There's always a reason. And I Full transparency thinking about Blue Star, I asked myself the same question when people choose us because we're not the only distributor out there, why? And yeah. I think, quite honestly, it's something that we still need to, to learn more about because there's a reason, no matter what. If it's availability, that's still a reason, so we should be the best at you know communicating that. Um, we already talked about telling customer stories, I think mm-hmm. I'm guilty of it too sometimes, especially working kind of as an agency. Um, I deal with, with the assets that exist. I can't snap my fingers and have a great, you know, video case study or two to go work with if, if it right. doesn't have it. That is another thing, especially if I were a product marketer, um, working at, you know, an, an ISV, I would invest time wise heavily in going and getting those customer stories on video, ideally. Absolutely. So the last, thing, the last <laughs> thing I'll add is investing in design. Uh, Mm -hmm. I opened up by saying that I'm a guy with a design background, but I think sometimes design can get boiled down to, hey, James, I need you to make this look pretty. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We're talking about a presentation or something like that. But when we're talking about products and services, it's the perception of your business. Mm -hmm. I judge companies, again, maybe because of my bias toward design on my first glance. And sometimes I'll, I'll meet a company some other way and then see their website and go, oh, wow, I know these people have a rock solid solution, but their visual doesn't match up. Right. You know, not only is that your you know, outward facing stuff, websites, marketing materials, but your product itself. If again, if you're a software company or if you're Mm -hmm. a a hardware company that works with software, the interface, the onboarding experience can be designed the the way that that feels. Um, Even the support experience on on your website or through social or whatever, um, investing in marketing and design and understanding your customers to sum it all up. Those are my three big ones.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I definitely want to dive into this um, deeper, but first let's just take a really quick break to talk about the Star Empower program. So at Star Micronics, we believe that we can only be successful when our partners are successful. That's why we created the Star Empower program. The Empower program is designed to offer our partners the best pricing and support with no sales commitment, and it's built to support loyal partners and help grow their business. The Empower program is open to all-star resellers, offering benefits, including product discounts, sales and marketing support, deal registration, and much more. Register today at startmicronicscom slash partner portal, or visit the link in the episode description for more details. All right, James. So we talked about the mistakes that ISVs and bars might be making in their digital marketing. And I think we're, we're definitely both In agreement on the big one is not investing in it or not taking it seriously. And a lot of these guys, you know, they're smaller, they're startups, they don't have all the resources to invest. So for those smaller companies or someone that just doesn't have a lot of background in marketing, what would your advice be for them getting started?
1: Sure. So I'll echo what I said and then I'll move beyond it because I don't want to beat the drum too hard. Right even if you and I were starting a company and we had four people one of those people needs to be your you know executive level marketing it should mm-hmm. be baked into the company um, because i think that person can be your strategic thinker that can then pull in freelance resources more junior ones to get you know the, the work done um, so that's the first you know the first thing as far as I get it. The companies are small. And I think that's an easy excuse to say we're small. And what, what, when they say we're small and we don't have marketing resources, what I hear is you're not prioritizing it. So right. already said, I'll move on. But mm-hmm. let's just say then that you are that very typical entrepreneur. And by that, I mean, you do it all. Mm-hmm. You are the salesperson, you're the support person. And on some days you're the marketing person as well. Um, what I would suggest in terms of going and learning some of the methodology I'm a concept learner, meaning I can go and I don't have to have all of the information between, you know, why step one and step two happens. If I just understand that step one and step two are happening, I can do the research to figure out why and how to get, you know, from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my biggest suggestions for someone just looking to learn, in terms of hey, how should we be thinking about marketing, whether it's planning or execution? Um, I'm a huge we use HubSpot at Blue Star. I'm a big fan. There are any number of tools similar to HubSpot that are also great. What I don't know about those, but I do know about HubSpot, is that HubSpot has a library of free certifications, everything from email marketing to inbound marketing. You know, methodology, conceptual wise, this stuff is so good. I Mm -hmm. mean, not only is it great marketing because it indoctrinates you to their way of thinking, right? But it's the right way to think. Like HubSpot was built by very, very smart people, and in Marketo and a lot of these other companies they all have a similarly awesome tools but like i said hubspot's free certifications would be an awesome place for that person that just wants to learn on their own and figure out okay i'm not ready to hire someone in marketing yet or maybe i am going to go hey you know what james uh i'm great that's your opinion but you know what i'm going to go hire some freelancers to create an ebook you know to get this stuff set up it is doable for the person with the strategic knowledge and i think that's what doing some of this stuff that's where it can get you to go okay Conceptually, I understand content marketing. I can't go and you know, do it all, lay out the design myself. I might not even be able to write the copy, but I know what we need. I know what the end goal is. I can get us there. Mm-hmm. Um, Google also has, uh, I'm aware of two, because I've, I've gone through them a couple of years back. They have a certification for their analytics tool. So Google analytics, which everyone knows about. And then they also have one for their um, paid search ads. I also believe they have like a mobile website one or something. All oh, as far yeah, as I remember.
0: They have a few for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they're continuing to build them out. And then, shameless plug, and I'm not connected to this podcast at all. I just think it is the very best podcast that I've started listening to in the last couple of years. There's one called uh, B2B Marketing Leaders Podcast. Okay, Um, host is a guy named Dave Gearhart. If you don't listen to it, Brianna, you got you've got to. I mean,
0: yes, I will add it to my list. (laughs)
1: I'm making notes and I'm learning. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's really cool. But this guy Dave, he's a CMO of, oh gosh. I can't believe I'm going to fail to remember what his company is. He would be upset if he knew that. I'm like, hey, I know him. I know his podcast, but I forget his company. <laughs> they're, a, they're an application that works with Shopify. They're like, you know, built for Shopify plugin kind of thing. But he's the ex-CMO at Drift which I don't know if you're familiar, they're the the chat bot uh, software that we use up. Uh, He worked at HubSpot as a product marketing guy. So he's a real good guy. But what he does is he brings CMOs, CROs, CEOs, but mostly CMOs on and just runs down like the super tactical. How many people are on your team? How are they designed? Who reports to who? How often do you meet with them? And it's it's excellent. So again, for me, being a conceptual learner, I don't need all the details. I just need smart people to say, we do it this way. And I go, okay, I'm going to go... You know, look into that and figure it out. Right. HubSpot certifications, Google certifications. And obviously, I'm a big fan of podcasts. The B2B Marketing Leaders podcast comes highly recommended.
0: Awesome. So I want to shift a little bit. You kind of mentioned email marketing a couple of times. I really want to get into that further because. At least, I'm sure you hear it too. I always hear with people that don't have a lot of marketing background, they want to do email marketing. We need to email um, people, and obviously, that's gotten huge because everyone's sitting in front of their computers answering emails all day, um, especially during a pandemic. So, what are your thoughts on the current trends in email marketing? Is it becoming oversaturated? Um, you know, what kind of advice would you give to businesses that are trying to get into it, and best practices?
1: Sure. So let me start by differentiating between, I guess, three different kinds of email marketing that I have in my mind. Okay. Um, and you may have heard me say this before, Brianna. There's a hierarchy in my head, and to me, this is fact, but it's it's really opinion. The lowest on the totem pole when it comes to email marketing is purchasing lists of people. They can't even do this stuff in Canada and Europe because it's not legal. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., it's still kind of the wild west. We can go and buy a list of people that supposedly attended NRF, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's 40,000 of them and it costs us two or three grand. We load them up into HubSpot or MailChimp or whatever we use and we start cold emailing them. So to me, that's a distinct type of email marketing.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Number two would be a list that you are building, meaning you've gotten people to sign up to hear from you. That's the one I want to go deep on in a second. And in my mind, that's number one. So out of the three, building your own list, people who have you know, giving you permission is number one, buying lists of cold people is number three. And number two, and this I do quite a bit of this, mm-hmm. um, just because of the nature, meaning I'm not marketing Blue Star. That's not my day-to-day at Blue Star. I am marketing right. our partners. So I'm not building lists for them. I'm doing, you know, campaigns that run for, for two or three or four months, quick hits. And what we do when it comes to that, which is, hey, partner, we're gonna go and generate you, you know, 75 new leads over the next two months. One of the key ways I do that is through email marketing, but I do it through media outlets. And Uh, I'll give two examples that come to the top of my head. And and in essence, what that is, is I'm not cold emailing people Mm -hmm. and I'm not emailing people that have given me AppWare Solutions permission. I'm borrowing the credibility of another outlet. Right. So the way that would look, we did a campaign last year for a software company. I don't think they sell hardware. I think we had them partnered with a a hardware reseller, but Mm -hmm. they do software for fire and EMS. I won't go into the details of it, but it's tablet-based and it's like while a fire scene is burning, they're tracking it and it in essence spits out a report at the end. It's all digitized. It's really Mm -hmm. pretty cool. That was the solution. So we went to an outlet called firehouse.com. I've worked with them a few times now, but a few years back, I never worked with them. We just did our research, went and found out, hey, if we want to reach fire chiefs, where do fire chiefs go on the internet? And we found a few different websites, reached out to the salespeople, the media salespeople at these outlets and said, hey, do you offer dedicated single subject email marketing? Some of them said no, some of them said yes. And those that did, we said, how big is your list? How you know how many subscribers do you have? And they would tell us. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting smarter now, where I ask the question: Did these people opt in to hear from you, or did you compile this list? Because very important. I don't want, yeah, I don't want to do cold emailing, but I certainly don't want you to do cold emailing for me. I can, you know, I can do that on my own. Mm-hmm what i want to know is that these are people who signed up to hear from firehouse.com and then the last thing i would ask them in addition to how much does it cost would be could you segment the list do you know enough about your subscribers where i could get just fire chiefs and deputy chiefs and assistants and lieutenants or is it you know all or nothing do i get everybody or do i you know get nobody mm-hmm. um and that's what we do and it, again it costs Uh, 2,500, 3,500, 4,500 bucks in some cases. And it's what I describe as a high risk, high reward. Meaning sometimes you spend that 3,500 bucks, you send an email blast out and you see some leads come through and other times you see a hundred leads come through over the course of two days. So enough about all of that. Um, Three rungs are your own owned list, Mm -hmm. a borrowed list, meaning you're, you're leveraging someone else and their credibility with their audience. And then the third one would be buying a cold list of companies. Um, for me, that third one isn't really even on the table. The only way that I would ever look to utilize a cold list of accounts would be for account-based marketing. If we said, "Hey, we're going to go and, and buy a list, or acquire, or build our own list of companies that we think fit our profile," um, but we're going to start doing, a, we're going to do targeted LinkedIn ads to them. We're still going to ask them to engage with us instead of just you know trying to knock down the door. Because I've got some numbers to back it up. It doesn't go well. Right. So I know I've already said a lot, but when it comes to building your own list, if you aren't building your own list, start tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) By that I mean, if I go to your website and you don't have a form on your homepage, you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. Get a form on your homepage, get a link in your email signature that says, and do something better than joining our mailing list. You know what I mean? It's right. Well, what am I going to mailing list? If I sign up to hear from you, are you going to send me discounts? Are you going to send me promotions? Am I going to get event invites or am I just going to get your product updates? I might be on board with all of them, but sell it. You know what I mean? And then, then not just sell it, actually come through and, and provide what you said you were going to So if you're building a list what I would say is refocus on the tactics. Is it easy to find, you know, or is it kind of buried in your footer or on a page that no one ever gets to? Mm-hmm. It should be prominent. It's it's actually and I'm and kind of connecting two worlds now. One of the ways that I evaluate media companies when I'm looking for someone to do an email blast through is I'll look at their homepage and see what the experience is. How actively are they signing up new subscribers? Right. And if it's a hidden thing, I'm like, right. oh, gosh, these, this can't be a real healthy list because how the heck's anyone going to sign up? It's impossible to find. Mm-hmm. So give that some real thought. Meaning that, I mean, in my mind, getting people to give you permission to communicate with them via email should probably be a top three goal of any website. And I'm sure there are instances someone would be like, what about this James? And I would agree with them, but it's a top goal of blue stars to get more of our customers to opt in to hear from us. Um segmenting your contacts. Again, to me and you, it's an obvious thing, but for those that are like, hey, I know what you mean by that, but like, how am I doing it? When it comes to getting someone to fill out a form on the internet, like, hey, sign up for my VIP newsletter or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's not easy. And every time you add a field, meaning if I ask for just your email, that's one field. If I wanna know your company name, your job title, and your phone number, and your social security number, every time I add one of those fields, (laughs) the likelihood that someone's gonna complete it and submit it goes down. Right. But I think smart and you can you can glean more information from people over time, assuming you keep that relationship intact. My suggestion would be to really think fast but hard about what information do we really need to take all of our contacts and break them into relevant groups. So I need their email address. Maybe I just need one other thing. Maybe it's geographic or maybe it's, you know, were they interested in events or promotions or new product updates? And maybe it's just those three buckets. So ask them just those two or three questions. So you've got their email, you've got their permission, and you know what they want to hear from or or hear from you about. Uh, And then the last thing I'll say is... um, I don't know how. I don't know if you get a lot of emails like I do, Brianna, from people you've never met before, never spoken oh, to before. Sure. Hi, Brianna. As your role as product, you know, marketing uh, lead at Star My Products, and you know it's all variables. And you're like, oh God, like
0: yeah. you might
1: have even had a good product, but your approach is all bad. Communicate with people like humans, and not even trying to necessarily trick anybody. But in terms of your tone, uh, don't try to say everything at once when you're sending an email blast. I know a lot of people have that mentality that. Gosh, if I'm going to send an email to 2,000 of my customers, I got to tell them everything. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, in my opinion, you tell them enough to get them interested. And if they're interested and they click and they go to your web page, then you tell them everything. But if you try to tell them everything in a single email and they might be looking at their smartphone and it's a 10-minute scroll, again, you've probably lost their attention. You've overwhelmed them. So keep it brief. Keep it human. Keep them interested and get them to the next step.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I would say that's great advice. And then, you know, like you mentioned, once you get them hooked, then that's maybe where a drip campaign comes in, but that's for another episode. Um, Yeah. And I know you mentioned HubSpot before, but what are some of the other technologies or tools that VARs and ISVs can use that they're trying to get started in their digital marketing?
1: Absolutely. This is one of my very favorite topics, which you may have known about me. Um, And the way I thought about it, the way I do think about it is, that you need to be able to do a few things as a marketing group. Mm -hmm. Number one is to build and maintain contact lists, right? We were just talking about getting people to sign up, opt in to hear from you. So you need something that can do that. You need the ability to build landing pages. So pages that might not be permanent fixtures, on your website, but those you might just need for a quarter or half of a year or whatever. And you mm-hmm. want to be able to do that without a developer. If you've got a developer, great, but it would be better that you've got that kind of where where's all the hats marketing person that can jump in, get the assets they need from designers and build themselves. You need to be able to capture information. So you need forms. Yep, Simple enough, but nonetheless, yeah. you need a tool to do that. You need to be able to send emails. So you got to communicate with people. They do sign up to hear from you. Now they expect something. And then you need to be able to measure all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, How many visits are we getting on the webpage? How many people are filling out the form? How many people are opening our emails and clicking on them and all that good stuff? So my tech stack at Blue Star. And we've got, you know, we have the money to go out and buy some pretty premium tools. But I always think about what if I didn't? So there are options for both. I use HubSpot for email, contact list management. So I've got all my different, you know, lead lists or whatnot. I also use it for lead capture. So to build my forms and for any automation so again if someone fills out a form and they're doing it to get an ebook i can automate within hubspot hey anytime this form gets filled out send this email that delivers you know the ebook and it'll come from brianna or whatnot all Mm -hmm. that can be automated what i know is that on the free level totally free level you can do email through hubspot you can do contact list management and I believe you can create forms. There might be some restrictions on the kind of forms, but I'm almost sure you can create forms. Automation is not included. So okay. if you were trying to go you know, free or very inexpensive, you, if automation was completely important, you'd need to find something else. And I believe that MailChimp, which is in many ways totally overlaps HubSpot, um, also, excuse me, offers automation, I think on the free level. So maybe you'd kind of use both of those, but if you could afford it at the lower level, whatever the lowest level is for HubSpot, it's almost a well not almost it is a do-it-all tool in terms of email marketing list and contact management automation and and then lead form capture um and then moving on from there i use unbounce as a tool in addition to hubspot to build landing pages Mm -hmm. Uh, it's really slick it's i mean I, i can code a little tiny bit like html css but You don't need to at all with Unbounce. It is a literal drag and drop landing page builder. It's really great. Um, But if I didn't have, and it's not inexpensive, if I didn't have that, I would probably use WordPress to do that kind of thing uh, to build those landing pages. I'm a big fan of Zapier. Zapier, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. It is the tool that can connect things that don't connect already. So for instance, when we generate leads in LinkedIn, the way it generally works in LinkedIn is... Someone fills out your LinkedIn lead gen form within LinkedIn and it just sits there. Unless you have something looking and going, oh, look, we got a new lead in that form, send it to HubSpot or send it to MailChimp or whatnot. Zapier can do things like that. And it can even do multi-step. You know, When someone sends an email that has um, Star Micronics in the subject line, create a Google folder with the same you know, title and then send another email, it can do multi-step automations. There is a free version of Zapier and I believe the limit there is twofold, which is you can only have a certain number of zaps, which an individual zap is an automation, mm-hmm. and then there are certain tools like HubSpot that are considered premium tools, and on the free level you're not allowed to connect. Okay. Um, but I would say there's no reason people shouldn't go in there and just even with their personal email sign up for Zapier, do something cool for yourself. That every time you know someone tweets your name in it. Um, Zapier grabs the tweet and puts it in a spreadsheet, just to see automation working is really cool. Then you'll start to think of cool stuff to do um, that actually relates to business. Yeah, the other thing yeah. that we use is uh, tr- chat bot technology from a company called Drift. Mm-hmm. There are inexpensive and plentiful chat um, tools out there. I mean, just search you know free website chat and you'll find a bunch of cool ones. Drift just has some, some really sophisticated stuff that it can do. Uh, i felt like there was one other thing that as i was talking about hubspot oh yes i remembered i'm so glad i remembered the coolest thing hubspot can do and the reason even if you were using some other system for your email marketing or like let's say you use mailchimp because they can do automation it for free or whatever if you just if you sign up for hubspot and take a single line of javascript the, the hubspot tracking code they call it and put it on your website so maybe you know Star, you would definitely need IT or somebody to go and do that for you. If you had a small business, you could do it yourself. You throw this HubSpot tracking code into the header of your website, and it's now on every page of your site. What it does, and I want to try to explain this in a way where it makes sense because it's the coolest thing. It's so worthwhile. Any contact who comes into HubSpot through a HubSpot form or clicks on any email you've ever sent them that comes out of HubSpot, they're now connected to HubSpot via cookies. Okay, okay, whatever. All you need to know is that you have to make a connection between these people and HubSpot. And once that happens, if I were to go and click on your name, Brianna, right now, if I were to open HubSpot and click on your name, I assume you're in our database somewhere, I would see every page you've looked at on our website. And not just that, I would see any form that you've submitted. Any email you've received and whether you've opened it or clicked it, um, we have ours connected to GoToWebinar, so I can even see if you have scheduled for webinars. And of course, I can use any and all of that to automate things on. So just as an example, if you said any contact that's viewed my pricing page over five times, trigger this email to them with a 20% off offer or trigger something with a you know free demo request, whatever the case would be that is the coolest thing that it does a lot of people who are not marketers if they're listening right now are like no james that's the creepiest thing that it does which is also <laughs> true but you know we're talking about marketing and data and all that good stuff it doesn't get much better than especially i always think about it from a sales rep's perspective you've got a great customer um and you can go and see what they've been up to on their, on your website. Are they reading your blog posts? Where is their interest? What, what could I talk to them about next time I call without right. being weird? You don't want them to know you're tracking their every move. But if all of a sudden you realize that a customer that's been buying a certain type of product from you or a certain service seems like they're really interested in something that, you know, complements it or something totally different, Maybe that maybe that uh, prompts a conversation. Hey, just curious if you guys have ever considered this? When really you know, I know you've been doing research about this on our website,
0: <laughs> right? So it's
1: it's really so HubSpot, Mailchimp, um, Zapier. Um, those are the things that I would I would have people go and look into.
0: Awesome, and I will make sure to plug all of these tools that you're listing out um, in the episode description if anyone is looking for them. Um, yeah. yeah, I. I Love what you said about the creepiness of what's. I always say what's creepy to everyone else is really cool to marketers <laughs> because we want yeah, all. But the I'm not
1: the only one that says that. I <laughs> do too. All the time, Facebook friends will be like, "Oh my gosh, I was talking, and then all of a sudden, I saw it on Instagram." And I'm like, "Yeah, that is weird That happens to me too." I'm like, "But that's cool. It's cool to yeah. know <laughs> my ads might be showing up to people because they were talking about it in their living room." Like okay, that I know that's like really on the line of being an intrusion of privacy, but For sure. yes, anyway. We're on the same page.
0: Well, I just want to wrap things up by asking, you know, what are some of, I guess, the new trends that you're seeing um, in digital marketing, especially with the crazy shift to digital and virtual in the last year or so? And what do you think is going to outlast the pandemic in terms of these marketing trends and what might go away?
1: Yeah, you know, I'll start with something that's definitely a trend as far as what I'm seeing. That honestly, really has my interest peaked. And a lot of people, when I say it, are going to be like, oh yeah, I'm not into that. And I get it. That's one of those things as a marketer. Well, let me just let me just say it. Maybe you're seeing this too. I will have people reach out to me cold, salespeople that have, you know, they're from a SaaS company. I'm probably right. on their a list. You know, I'm a, for whatever reason, because Blue Star is a decently sized company. They're thinking, hey, these guys are someone we should be in front of. They'll reach out and offer a gift of some kind hey, James, here's a $100 Amazon gift card, or I'll make a donation to your favorite charity if you'll agree to meet with me. And when I first started seeing this, I was like, oh, I don't, you know, it may, I didn't like it. It felt slimy to me. And mm-hmm. the, the comparison I want to make is a lot of people hate um, pop-ups. Yeah. Oh, I hate pop-ups. I hate pop-ups. And I'm like, yeah, uh, who loves a pop-up? But you know what pop-ups do? They work. Yeah. And you know what you can get someone's <laughs> attention by doing? saying, hey, and the one I see a lot is, hey, James, I want to send dinner to your house through you know DoorDash or whatnot. Um, and quite honestly, the only reason I've never taken someone up on it is because it's usually a tool that they just don't understand enough about our business, which is a really complex one to understand, especially right. my kind of corner within what Blue Star does. So a lot of times people just don't know enough about me to connect what they do to what I do for me to make sense of it. But mm-hmm. that idea of yeah. gifting, That's what I think people are gonna say, oh yeah, salespeople have been doing that for decades. That's nothing new, but doing it in a digital context is new. And I'm gonna, I didn't plan on mentioning this, but there's a company called Alice, Alice with a Y. It's a very expensive tool, but it is digital gifting. And then it's not just that, because there are quite a few companies. Sendoso is another one um, who's got a bunch of great clients. And the way that Alice works is really unique. And and actually, um, I had a salesperson from Alice reach out to me and what was neat about her approach is she was able to use her tool in her sales approach to me. So she she sent me an email and the subject line was BJJ, which is short for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu plus marketing, which are like maybe you do, maybe you don't know this about me. That couldn't have been a better subject line for me where I'm like, I didn't even know who it was or what it was, I'd already opened it. I'm like, what's this? And then what it was, was it a message from the sales rep? And it was like, hey James, um, thought you might find uh, usefulness out of this because I know you're into jujitsu and I know you're a marketing guy, yada, yada, yada. And there was a photo of this thing. It was part foam roller, you know, for like sore muscles, Mm -hmm. but part water bottle. And it was like an $80, like really cool product. And in essence, what I found out was she was offering me this gift in exchange for me signing up to hear about Alice. And she was using Alice to get me to sign up. So that was the tool. It was you. And here was the thing. So this was the extra cool part. It used social data. So Mm -hmm. she pulled information from my LinkedIn and from my Twitter because, you know, I'm a old millennial and I have a lot of the stuff about my personal life on social. Mm-hmm. So they were, she did that not, not through, not manually, but through automation, like the Alice tool went out, she loaded me up or she loaded probably a list of prospects up and it went and churn and tried to find things about people and the system recommended the gift. But then the way that it works is similar to the other ones that are less sophisticated. I could go in, like, let's just say that I wasn't able to accept gifts. I could go in and say, no, you know, thank you. But instead send that $80 to whatever, um, you know, any charity that I wanted, or I could go in and exchange that gift for something else. But the whole path was before, you know, I could pick my gift. And then the next step would be find a time that works to, to meet. Then I do that. Then it sends me to enter your address and blah, blah, blah. So. You know, I know the skeptics out there are gonna go, well, oh, couldn't I just do that and then not show up? Yes, yes, you could do that. You'd be kind of a jerk, but you can totally do that. <laughs> um, it's one of those things that I didn't love it when I first started experiencing it myself, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, shoot, booking demos is what my job really is about. I wanna go and get someone to download a piece of content and then I want my partners to go out, engage with these people and ultimately, you know, get an at back, get a call with them. I'm like, But what if I didn't have to spend the money to get them to download the ebook. What if I could just go find a list of people, buy a list, find a list, whatever, mm-hmm. and, and experiment with this? So I don't know that it's pandemic related, but it's something I've started to see. And it's something I've really kind of had to come around to where I haven't started to experiment it yet, but I've been trying to sell in something like this as an approach at Blue right. Star for, for a good six or seven months. So pretty soon, Brianna, we're gonna be working on something like this and we're gonna be sending people gifts and getting meetings. That's um,
0: really interesting, I, I haven't seen are, that yet
1: if you go to their website too if you got if people listening want to see an example of an excellent product website or SaaS website go to alice.com a-l-y-c-e okay it's it's really cool so they have they'll have like an image of a person and they'll be like climbing a mountain and it'll say you know nine to five marketing manager five to nine you know um climbing enthusiast and that's their whole idea is tap into the personal side of business stand out from the crowd give someone to something they're going to go, Oh my gosh, like, A, how did you even know that I was a Auburn fan? And then B, I can't believe someone sent me a Jersey to take a meeting. And you know, we all know that if you get X amount of meetings, so many are going to close. And if you, if you're already targeting people that your ideal customer profile, you've already kind of done the work of saying, well, would it be relevant to them? Yeah, it would. And then you get a chance to do your job as a salesperson. So I'm super interested in that. It's it's a trend I've seen. And I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It'll stick around if it works. Right. That's true for everything. Right. The other two things are far less trendy. um, But I thought they were worth mentioning automation and personalization. It's been happening for a while. I see a lot of bad automation and personalization. And by that, I mean, I I kind of mentioned this earlier. Hi, James, in your role at Blue Star U.S., which is the name of our company on LinkedIn, but no one calls us Blue Star U.S., you know, in your role, manager comma digital marketing strategy of blue star us and i'm like oh god could this be any more transparent that it wasn't written by human right so i don't think automation and personalization goes away but it's certainly a trend and it's i don't know not again not to say it's not effective i don't see it being done well a lot so again it won't go away hopefully people will realize though that like i said i think earlier a lot of the effective things don't scale easily you're going to have to have humans involved and humans making calls and sending emails
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then the last Mm -hmm. one, um, which is kind of in in line with some of the things we've said earlier is reviews and testimonials. So I don't know about you, but when I'm shopping online, especially, you know, places like Amazon, uh, reviews are huge. And I know that's not applicable to a lot of our partners. So the parallel to reviews would be testimonials. Right. You can tell me, but I'd rather hear it from someone who already uses Star Micronics products, right, or who already uses one of our bars services or, or whatever the situation is. So um, I do feel like it's a trend amongst companies that, that have great marketing is to show, you know, tell their story through their, the mouths of their customers, in essence, and hopefully that doesn't go away. I know I want to start doing more of it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all your insight. This has been incredible. Um, if anyone wants to pick James Brain a little more about digital marketing, you can follow him on LinkedIn. Um, for Star Micronics, you can go to starmicronics.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or YouTube. Um, and if you like today's episode, please subscribe, leave a review. It'll really help us grow this platform. James, thank you so much again for joining us today.